0: Exploring the Word is brought to you by Reclaiming America for Christ and the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. This is Pastor Paul Blair. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word. Today we're going to be finishing a message that we began last time. As a matter of fact, the last four days, or this will be day four of this discussion The first two days we talked about the subject, irreconcilable. As Christians, we aren't supposed to accept peace at all costs. We cannot compromise that which we know is true. We cannot compromise the truth of Scripture. We cannot compromise and accept error and sinfulness and wickedness as the norm. And now we are discussing the subject, irrevocable. There is a time where the Scripture says that we are to come out from among them and be separate. We saw the pilgrims separate from the Church of England. We saw the patriots in Constitution Hall separate from the tyranny of the British Empire. Folks, we are now a very divided country. As much as I love our history and heritage, what we once were, we no longer are. We've got half the United States of America that still adheres to biblical truths and still holds liberty as dear. We've got the other half that is ready to sell out to Marxism and the atheistic tyranny that comes with it. Well, what are we going to do? Listen closely as we finish this subject in part two of today's message, Irrevocable.
1: We welcome you to the radio ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We invite you to join with us for today's Exploring the Word. Governors and mayors have bequeathed upon themselves to force you to wear a mask. Because by the same power, they could force you to wear a football helmet. Or to wear a pair of rubber flippers. Or to put on a suit of armor. Or to wear a hazmat suit. Or to stay in your house, shut your business, and close down your church. That's why this is so important. If we believe that the preaching of the gospel is the most important thing we can do in life, then surely we would believe that the second most important thing is to defend the right to do the most important thing. So I stand before you to defend the right of conscience and of speech. And yet, my friends, we are right on the verge of having those stripped from us. That's why this is so important. It's not just a bunch of political gobbledygook. This is life and death. History shows that tyrants always use the same steps to, to enslave their subjects. There's nothing new about this. There was, excuse me, there was nothing new about this in 1776. They had seen all of this before, and there's nothing new about it today. People are no more evil today than they were in the 1400s. Man is fallen. Man has this insatiable desire because of his fallenness to control his fellow citizens. And without great restraint, some can rise to a position of power to do just that. I'm 61. I've lived most of my life. I still have effective years left, but I have no idea how long I will be on this planet. But I have children who are in their early 30s, who have children, my grandchildren, who are anywhere from still in the womb and about to be born in a few months to the age of seven. It is for their future that I am speaking out, not my own. Do I want to end my life in a prison? No. But I am willing to pledge my life and my fortune and my sacred honor to keep them free. And I am willing. Alexander Hamilton is not one of my favorite framers. Because he was a big government guy. And I think he would be appalled to see what big government looks like in 2020. But he says, if the federal government should overpass the just bounds of its authority and make a tyrannical use of its powers, by the way, it has. The people whose creature it is. Notice, the government is a creation of the people. Now, this harkens back to what Lincoln said In Gettysburg in 1863, government of, by, and for the people must appeal to the standard they have formed and take such measures to reverse the injury done to the Constitution as the exigency, that means the circumstances, the urgent need may suggest and prudence justify. I'm here to tell you that's where we are today. Great injury has already been done to our liberties. And with the most probable inauguration of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, even greater damage, maybe irreparable damage, to our liberties is about to occur. So what do we do? Well, first we all have to establish, have we reached an irreconcilable spot? I personally believe we have. There are certain things that are revocable, but unalienable rights are not among them. Constitutions are revocable. Compacts are revocable. But eternal truths are irrevocable. And it's upon those that we stand and we can do no other. So here's the thing. Chris Cuomo says our rights don't come from God. They come from government, meaning then that the government can take them away. Well, how many liberties are you willing to give up? How many of us are willing to go down with the ship? Because there is at least half of this country that wants to remake the American Republic into something else. And I promise you, that's something else you're not going to like. And so do we just stand by and say, well, we're locked in. There's nothing we can do about it. Did the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th amendments lock us in so that we can't do anything about it? Do you honestly believe that the framers who wrote the original documents would have stood by and done nothing? And yet we practically have. So I'm doing what I realize is greatly misunderstood in our time and not popular with many. But I am calling for a political separation. I'm calling for a political divorce just like the divorce or political separation that Thomas Jefferson called for in the Declaration of Independence. He tells us in that document what we are to do. He says governments are created to secure our rights, those unalienable rights. That these governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. Do you consent to what the federal government is doing today? No. No. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, what ends? Our unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness which involves the... Ability to acquire property. And yet AOC and and her squad are claiming that government has the right to take what you've earned and to redistribute it to those who won't work. By the way, the separatists that we call the pilgrims experimented with that. Remember how that worked out for them? They nearly starved to death. Until William Bradford said, no, we're going to be capitalists. I'm going to give you a piece of land. It's yours. You farm it, you eat. You don't farm it, you don't eat. Paul said the same thing in the New Testament. If you don't work, you don't eat. So when any form of government, including our own, becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people. Notice the right of the people. Not the rebellion of the people, the right of the people to do what? To alter, to abolish it, and later on, as I read earlier, to throw it off. Now, by the way, those are three DEFCON levels. To alter is DEFCON 3 that means that our government's gotten off course and we just have to do some course corrections to abolish it is defcon 2 that means the government has gotten so far off track that it cannot be fixed and we have to redo it so we abolish what we have and we create a new defcon 1 It's when we've blown through those two warnings and we've waited so long that now our government has become a tyranny and we have to throw it off. Which is what they were doing. Depicted in that clip we saw a while ago from the series John Adams. Where are we today? I believe we're at DEFCON 2. But we're quickly racing to DEFCON 1. And if we do not figure out a way to peacefully... I'm calling for peaceful separation. If we do not find a way to peacefully separate... And simply say to those who don't want our history... Who don't want freedom of speech... Who don't want freedom of religion... Who do not want the the right to own private property... Or to be able to own a firearm for self-defense... To allow them to go do that peacefully with our blessings. But to allow us who do believe in those things to pursue those with their blessings. If we do not, and you mark my words, if we do not figure out a way to peacefully separate, we will either be overrun by tyranny and many of us will finish our days on this earth in jail or we will be shooting at each other. This is why this is so important. No one wants to shoot at anybody. I don't want a war. Do you want a war? But I'll tell you what I also don't want. I don't want a federal government that can tell me when I can preach and when I can't, and when we can open our church and when we can't, and to use emergency powers to enact all of these unconstitutional measures to tell me that I have to embrace what the Bible calls sinful perversion, that I have to perform same-sex weddings or I'm violating their civil rights, I will not do this. Never. Not because I have any hatred toward those people. I believe what they do is wrong. But I will not condone what they do, nor can you. And be true to God's word. So, what does Jefferson then say we must do? He said, We must institute new government. You understand, these are not my words, none of them. These are the words in our national birth certificate. He said, We must institute new government. It's time for that. Laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them, meaning those who have been aggrieved, shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So following Thomas Jefferson's own advice, this is what we are to do. Now, we're a small congregation. On a good Sunday, we have some 400 people here. I'm not a powerful individual. My message does not go very far. Of course, we have an internet presence, social media, where our message goes a little further than just to those who attend. But we're not a large church. But all I can do is tell you what I believe to be true And then to be true to you, to be as transparent as I can possibly be to you. This is all I can do. But I would imagine that those men that were sitting in Independence Hall in July of 1776 felt rather small themselves. Sometimes large things have small beginnings. Now, as I begin to close this message, I want you to know that that generation did not relish what was about to happen. Jonas Clark, who was the pastor of the church in Lexington, Massachusetts, one year after the Battle of Lexington preached a sermon about it. Listen to what he said. The connection of America with Britain might have been preserved inviolate, To the end of time. And it may be added that there is no just ground to suppose that it would have ever entered the heart of Americans to have desired a disillusion of so happy a connection with the mother country or to have sought independence of Britain had they not been urged and even forced upon such an expedient by measures of oppression and violence and the shedding of innocent blood. Abraham Cattellus, a preacher who preached all over the Northeast in a 1777 election sermon said, all our assemblies have endeavored by the most humble and earnest petitions to the throne to prevent the fatal war, which now rages and desolates our land. And it was not until every Pacific measure failed, and our petitions were scornfully treated and rejected. And a powerful fleet and army had actually invaded us and shed our blood. That we took up arms in behalf of our lives and liberties. A preacher and soldier in the Continental Army, William Gordon, preached a sermon on July the 4th, 1777, the first year anniversary of the signing of the Declaration. I actually have a copy of his. Sermon said, This continent complained of real grievances and humbly petitioned. Instead of being heard and relieved, the yoke was increased by fresh acts of cruelty and new burdens laid upon the continent. Our first grievances were spoken of as if not real and as though we complained without cause. We were at once plunged into a defensive war. Still, we were desirous, if possible, of an accommodation. We therefore petitioned again without rising in our requests, only enlarging them to take in new grievances. Instead of having them redressed, we were deemed and were to be treated as rebels. I could give you quote after quote. For sake of time, I'm going to pass through some of these quotes. And I want to get to the final quote that I have from a man by the name of John Witherspoon. As you can see, he was a member of the Continental Congress that voted to separate from Great Britain, signed the Declaration of Independence. He was also the president of what later became Princeton University. He was a Presbyterian preacher. Dr. John Krebs was a witness of the scene that I'm about to read to you. He said, every eye went to him, meaning to Witherspoon, with the quickness of thought and remained with the fixedness of the polar star. He cast on the assembly a look of inexpressible interest and unconquerable determination while on his visage the hue of age. At that time, Witherspoon was 64, was lost in the flush of burning patriotism that fired his cheek. Now, what caused everyone to pay such close attention to John Witherspoon? He stood and he gave this speech. There is a tide in the affairs of men. He said, a nick of time. That noble instrument on your table, meaning the Declaration of Independence, which ensures immortality to its author, that would be Thomas Jefferson, should be subscribed this morning by every person of this house he that will not respond to its accents and strain every nerve to carry into effect its provisions is unworthy the name of free man. For my own part of property, I have some of reputation more. That reputation is staked. That property is pledged on the issue of this contest and although these gray hairs must descend into the sepulcher, I would infinitely rather they should descend thither by the hand of the executioner than desert at this crisis the sacred cause of my country. The delegation heard that speech, heeded Witherspoon's advice, and voted to separate from Great Britain. And the rest... It's history. This is where we are today. It is time for political separation. Peaceful separation. Our differences are irreconcilable and our rights well Chris Cuomo is wrong. Our rights are from God and they're irrevocable. And we must demand The people must demand that our unalienable rights be protected at all costs. Now I want to close with one last clip. It's from a movie that many of you are familiar with. It's the movie called The Patriot. Mel Gibson plays a composite figure who goes by the name of Benjamin Martin in the movie there is no one character, although some believe that he's slightly playing the part of, of a gentleman called the, the Swamp Fox, but he's kind of a composite individual. He had fought in the French and Indian War and hated war. He was called by his own convention in Virginia to vote to separate, but he did not want to fight. Now, because he keeps his family out of the fray except for his oldest son, if you've seen the movie, you know that he loses one of his sons and then with two of his younger sons ambushes the British squad of soldiers that has captured his oldest son, played by Heath Ledger, and finally frees him and eventually enters the war and becomes a pivotal part of winning our independence. I want you to watch this clip, watch his defiance early on, and then I want you to listen to what he says at the very end, because at the very end, you're going to hear him comment after he had decided to fight.
2: Would you tell me, please, Mr. Howard, why should I trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? (laughs) An elected legislature can trample a man's rights as easily as a king can.
0: Captain Martin, I understood
2: you to be a patriot. If you mean by patriot, am I angry about taxation without representation? Well, yes, I am. Should the American colonies govern themselves independently? I believe they can, and they should. But if you're asking me, am I willing to go to war with England, Well, then the answer is most definitely no. There are alternatives to war. We take our case before the king. We plead with him.
0: Yes, we've tried
2: that. Well, then we try again, and again, if necessary, to avoid a war. Benjamin,
0: I was at Bunker Hill. The British advanced three times, and we killed over 700 of them at point-blank range, and still they took the ground. That is the measure of their resolve. If your principles dictate independence, then war is the only way. It has come to that.
2: I have seven children. My wife is dead. Now, who's to care for them if I go to war? I will not fight. And because I will not fight, I will not cast a vote that will send others to fight in my stead. And your principles. I'm a parent. I haven't got the luxury of principles.
0: You've done nothing for which you should be ashamed. I've done nothing.
1: I have done nothing. And for that, I am ashamed. It is time for every liberty-loving Oklahoman to stand and say no further. No further. Would you bow with me in prayer? Before I pray, let me say to you that if you do not have peace with God, Jesus came to give you that peace. He is the prince of peace and he will set you free from your sins. If you want to come today and meet the one who died for you, come. We have counselors who will be here to pray with you. Maybe you're a Christian and you know that you have not been faithful to what God has called you to do. Then come today. Never a better time than December to recommit your life to what God has called you to do and to be. Maybe like the character and the Patriot, You've kind of ridden other people's coattails and you've done nothing. And for that, you are ashamed. Well, now is the time to begin to learn these principles and to stand for what we know is right. Maybe you ought to join this church. You know that pastors all over this state should be preaching on these topics. You know it then you should join this church and link arms with us and help us.
0: We thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we look forward to being with you next time. Until then, may God bless you.
1: You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We hope that today's journey in God's Word has been a blessing to you. You can find more sermons and resources at our church's website, www.FairviewBaptistEdmond.org or call 405-348-1745. Join us again each weekday for Exploring the Word from Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond.